G'day and welcome to episode 44 of the Massive Attack podcast. With me is Joe. I'm not Joe. I'm Mitch. And with me is Joe. That's right. Hi, Mitch. Hi. You're getting all urban. I'm I'm so fucking urban. Getting down. Urban as. Yes. Ready for our little topic that we're going to cover later in the show? Yeah, not, not very little. No. But yeah, let's get to it. Yes. Boppers. Well, we haven't got much to go in our normal gaming and TV, no. but we're probably going to have a big second half. But gaming, have you been playing anything? I have. I think I started Portal 2 last time. Yes. I'm still Portal 2-ing. Okay. I'm not that far more forward. And I have discovered there's another Peggle. Did really? I talk about that last time? No. No. There's another Peggle for the iOS device, which I didn't know happened. It happened like last Christmas, apparently, but I, I found that and I have been playing it a lot. It's called Peggle Blast, because okay. Peggle 2 is what's on the Xbox. This is on the iOS devices. It's Peggle again, but it's made purely for, a, I don't know if it's on Android, but it's definitely made for a mobile device in this way, like the way it's controls and everything. It's got micropayments involved and shit Great. like that. Yeah, it's a pain in the butt. You play, you have five lives, you wait 20 minutes, you get a life back kind of thing. If you watch commercials, you can get extra balls or power-ups and things like that which pissed me off at the start saying no I like Peggle I want to play Peggle when I want I don't want to be constricted to this but the problem with Peggle is I have found as well that I'll I'll just one more game just one more game and the next thing you know it's two in the morning so it is a good constriction that I think I need so it means I can um stop playing or it forces me to stop playing because they're not getting the scent out of me bastards (laughs) so yeah I'm tight so therefore I don't play it all the time which I easily could so yeah recommended but i won't swear so i won't talk about it anymore because it is a pain in the butt because the physics you know we talked about peggle last time where the ball just slows down that little bit or it speeds up that little bit just to miss the or it just bounces that slightly different angle to yeah how it, normally it still does that okay before it didn't piss me off because we talked about it saying it's a game you paid for the whole thing why do they want to f- screw with you now that there is micropayments involved, I understand why they want to screw you with the owner. It's like, Arr! and I've sort of got used to it now. But before, it seemed to be like you tap the button to release the ball, and it just seemed to wait that little bit longer to release. And then other times, it's gone straight away. It's like, what? The-? But I think I'm used to it now. It doesn't seem to piss me off as much as it used to. So maybe I'm used to the mechanics. But it was just sort of a bit weird for a while there. Well, maybe that's the whole thing. They've got you used to the the physics of Peggle from Peggle One, Peggle yeah. Two. So now that you have to pay for it, you know that it's going to fuck you over and it's ingrained already in your head but, maybe but yeah. That, yeah that's pretty much that's, that's my gaming yeah, well I've been playing a little bit of Peggle 2 mainly because my kids have been getting back into Peggle 2 and now my four year old is playing Peggle 1 mm. and the other day my older boy and I were sort of playing this new AFL football board game that he's got and we were just sort of playing on that and I said to the little one I'll go and play some Peggle because he was too little to play the, the board game yep. and I turned around and it was like 20 minutes later and he'd actually just burned through the first levels of adventure using the, the unicorn and he was on to the next bit and, and played like six, seven games straight without losing a level and I was like well maybe I'm raising a little Peggle master but yeah, other than that I haven't been playing a lot of Xbox I did go back to Pimble Effects 2 yep because we were just flicking through what I had on the hard drive, looking for something I could play in front of the kids and, and and not really care about. And they noticed that there were Star Wars tables, which I didn't actually have. And they're like, oh, can we please buy the Star Wars table? So I ended up shilling out 10 bucks to buy the Star Wars tables, which is three tables. There's like a Star Wars Return of the Jedi and a Darth Vader table. And the Return of the Jedi table is pretty cool. It's got a lot of sound effects from the movie. You get to shoot the ball at Ewoks and stuff, which is mm-hmm. kind of nice. You do <laughs> That's more a Jawa, sorry. Yeah. So yeah, we um, played a bit of that. 
Other than that, I haven't really done a yep, lot of no. Xboxing. <laughs> I'm not sure if that was in it or not, thank uh, God. But I, I did try Metro 2033, which was one of the freebie games for last month. Yep. It's a first-person survival horror shooter, and I got through the like the first tutorial sort of level, and then it almost goes a bit too open. You're in like an underground area, and there's other survivors around, but... It, to me, it just didn't have enough direction. I didn't know where I was meant to be going, and I was wandering around aimlessly for about 15 minutes just trying to work out who I needed to So you to wanted to. One Direction? Yes. Yeah, You're a big I fan did. of One Direction? Yeah, I was a bit sad when Zane left. You didn't need a new direction? No. No, okay. But yeah, I, I sort of played 15 minutes just wandering around trying to find someone to talk to, and then I realised that you know I've got other games I could be playing and enjoying rather than putting myself through this freebie game that I didn't like. Yeah. So yes, that, I, I gave up on that but speaking of things that i had previously given up on and i'm now addicted to again i don't say it what do you think i know it is because i got the running in front of me (laughs) i'm back on wwe supercar have you spent any money no that's all right then yeah I, i was tempted but then i did have some credit sitting there because they gave me a bonus credit a little while ago for sticking with it even though i wasn't stuck with it if that makes sense and yeah i used that credit to boost one of my new characters but Thanks to Hulk Hogan and his racist rants, they've actually revamped the whole game. They've got a season two now, and they've taken out a lot of the previous characters that are no longer in WWE, so Hogan's obviously gone. There's no reference to Hogan in it anymore. They had uh, Rey Mysterio, a couple of other people, Alberto Del Rio, that they've taken away those cards, and they've now brought in some of the new NXT guys and revamped it a little. There's so a what's your favourite card? Nicer card? Have a think. One of the new people that I really love. Kevin Owens. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a super rare Kevin Owens at the moment that is my favourite card. So, I do want to put it look like a super rare Kevin Owens. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, yeah, they've got new cards. They've slightly changed the the way it plays. So you can now have Diva Tags, which they brought in in one of the special events. Because the Bella Twins are so big. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. But now you've got, instead of having only three cards and a diva, I think you used to have four cards and a diva, you've now got four cards and two divas as your normal exhibition deck, and they've brought in a, a couple of different weekly rotating events that they have. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I've been playing that for about a week and a How'd half How'd you get back now, in? I, I don't know if it was one of those, because I, I still had it installed on the iPad. I, I deleted it off my phone because I was finding, you know, I was... Yeah, in the lunchroom at work playing it at lunchtime and it was just getting too much for me on my phone so I, I deleted it off the phone a little while ago and then I got to the point where they nerfed it so badly I didn't want to play it anymore on the iPad but I still had it installed and I was still getting notifications every now and then and I, I think I must have got the notification saying season 2 cards are available and I went to check it out and then they just when you think you're out they suck you back in so yeah so I've in just over a week I think I've played about 500 games now so Oof. It's a time sink, but it's one of those things where you can be watching TV or you know doing other things. Oh, that's like with my Peggle. I'm, I'm 105 levels in in just over a week, and yeah. that's with a lot of failing so and waiting. So yes, I, I I get it. I get it. Yeah. Well, that's my gaming. Yeah. What about TV? Well, speaking of TV, I have been watching a lot of TV while I've been playing Peggle. So uh, not, mm-hmm. not Peggle, um, Supercard. So it all ties in. Yeah. We'll probably jump straight into wrestling since we were talking wrestling Supercard. NXT had their latest special, not a pay-per-view because it's on the network, but they had a two and a half, three hour show where the NXT offshoot brand, which is the feeder leagues for WWE, 
had a show in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And Straight was, out of Brooklyn. It was probably one of the best wrestling pay-per-views I've seen in a long time. Yep. Purely for the fact that the fans for NXT are just so rabid. They really get into the product. And the whole show was, top to bottom, quite a solid card. Some really good matches. The aforementioned Kevin Owens had a good ladder match with Finn Balor, which I really enjoyed. They had Zushin Liger came over from Japan. Is, because that, is he in NXT or just for that no, one? No, William Regal is the main booker for NXT. And they asked him why they were bringing in Zushin Liger. And he said, well, he's known Liger for years. And he was calling in a favour after you know, working for him in Japan or whatever. And just thought... You know, this would be a, a big coup to get him in the States and have a match. Yeah, because it kind of... It's good, because... I mean, they could have got him over for uh, WrestleMania or SummerSlam or any of the WWE pay-per-views. Yeah. But who would you put him against? What would you do with it? Is it worth it? Yeah. Where at least it is a big deal for NXT. Yeah, exactly. You put him in there, you use it to push somebody, and then he goes home. Where yeah, exactly. you could you couldn't do it with the Fed, because... Who would yeah. you put him against? What, and Liger, what would you do with him? Liger's been out to the States a few times. Like, he was on Nitro back in the day when it was the very first Nitro. They had a match with him and Brian Pillman that opened the very first episode of Nitro. And he's been in TNA a few times. Uh, just recently when they did the World Series, in the last couple of years, they did, like, a World Series of Wrestling, and he was on the Team Japan. But, yeah, it was it was a real coup to bring him out for WWE because it's the first time he's ever performed for WWE as far as I'm aware he may have on one of the tours of Japan he might have been on one of their shows but I don't think he's ever been on a WWE show in America mm-hmm. but he opened the show against Tyler Breeze and from all accounts Tyler Breeze is probably the next person in NXT that they want to make the jump to the big time and it was a it was a solid match it was a really how you expect the opener of a pay-per-view to be it had enough high-flying action to hook you from the start and it was good. Cool. And one of the other matches that I thought was pretty good was they, they had the tag titles match, and it was uh, Buddy Murphy and... Buddy Murphy. Whatever, Blake. But they, you know, Blake and Murphy, and they were against the Vaudevillains. And I remember earlier you were saying the Vaudevillains sort of had that great look, and they had that angle, but then it stopped as soon as the match started. But in this, they kind of kept it going, and they were doing very old school sort of moves and, and stuff, so that was good as well. And they won the tag titles, which is pretty cool as well. So, yes. And the help of blue pants. With blue pants, exactly. And I think she must be a New York native or something, because the New York Brooklyn crowd just went nuts for Everyone loves blue pants. But, yeah, blue pants is... Uh, what is she, a cosplay person that does wrestling as well, or a wrestler that does cosplay as well? Yeah, I mean, she's called Blue Pants because she wore blue pants once. And when they bring in some no-name feeder enhancement people... Yep. They don't give them names. They don't get intros or anything like that. So the crowd just got behind her and called her Blue Pants because that's what she was wearing the first match out. So she's now sort of known as Blue Pants. She's got a name and she's known as that, but she's effectively known as Blue Pants now. Yeah. And you can see that she's got that comic cosplay sort of look to her because she's almost dressed like X-Men. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But no, she's she's good. And the fans love her, which works well. Anyway, so that was my wrestling watching. Other than that, I've been watching a bit more Blacklist. We have now gone through both of the first two seasons of Blacklist. Wow. First season I really enjoyed. The second season there was a bit of a lull at the start, but then the big twist at the end was enough to, to really bring me back, so I really enjoyed that. And the the acting calibre that they bring into it, they had Alan Alder was in a few Alan episodes. Alan Alder? Yeah. Not Alan Thicke? No. Oh. I said acting calibre, not you know, bad acting talent. But no, they had Alan Alder, they had... Not Alan uh, Dale? No. He's in everything. Yes, he is. That He's might, done this. Might mention him a little bit later when oh. we talk about movies. Okay. And uh, what's the dude's name? Peter Stormare, I think his name is, who was in Prison Break and always plays that Russian mafia sort of sounding dude. He was the big bad in a couple of episodes. So that was that was good. But yeah, the uh, the big 
cliffhanger at the end, which is leading into the new season, which is coming in October in the States. And I was I was hooked again, yeah. Mm-hmm. I was really enjoyed it. Cool. And a couple of other things. My kids have now got me hooked on another bizarre program that is on SBS. We were watching a bit of American Ninja Warrior that I mentioned last month. Yep. And the lead-in show for American Ninja Warrior here on SBS is a program called Versus Arashi, which is a Japanese game show where they have a Japanese boy band do strange games against a a random team every week. And for some reason, my kids love it. My four-year-old can't read the subtitles. It's all in Japanese, and they're talking in Japanese with English subtitles. He can't read the subtitles, but he's he's just goes nuts for it. They, They do kind of crazy games where they'll have like giant pinball tables and a guy will run around with a basket on his head and they'll have to catch pinballs in his head and yeah they'll be yelling instructions in Japanese and, and my kids just go nuts I don't really understand uh-huh. but, so we've been watching a little bit of that and another thing that I have dived into in a big way is Rick and Morty yep now, if you don't know what Rick and Morty is, Rick and Morty is an animated show by Dan Harmon and Justin Rowland, I think his name is. And it's not Back to the Future. No. It started... Dan Harmon, who we've mentioned many times, had Channel 101. And it started based off a short on Channel 101 when they did a Back to the Future kind of piss take animation. And they liked it so much that they've evolved into what Rick and Morty is. So Rick is a drunken interstellar, interdimensional scientist time traveler sort of guy and morty his dim-witted grandson and they have adventures and the whole reason i got into it is because i was doing that whole kiss cartoon rabbit hole and i thought i would try and watch one of the newer episodes of the simpsons because i haven't watched the simpsons for a long time and one of the opening you know how they do the, the blackboard couch, the couch couch clips yeah whatever they call it they had a five minute rick and morty clip where rick and morty crashed their spaceship into the simpsons house and killed the simpsons and then morty had to go and like clone them from the goo that was left behind and it was really good and i thought well maybe i should give rick and morty a go that the actual episode of the simpsons that i watched wasn't that flash but it just made me want to go so did you read up on that why they did a five minute rick and morty episode at the start of the simpsons neither well i think they went through a stage where they were getting guest animators in to do like little couch gags and this just happened to be the one i watched and yeah it made me want to go i watched it when it first came out because it was dan and going oh yeah this is good but the problem with me is i'll find shows that i like saying this is good i'll download it and get to it later and i just don't get to it well, for me, the, the thing that really grabbed me is the fact that it's on Kiss Cartoon, so I can you know be laying in bed and watch it on the iPad. It, they're only like 22-minute episodes. They're punchy. They're that typical adult... It's on Adult Swim, so it's your typical Adult Swim adult humour. They do bleep the, the F-words out of it. They let you know shit and that sort of stuff go through, but they bleep the fucks. But it kind of doesn't need it. If, yep. if it, it. You can see why it's there, but it doesn't need it. And... Just the supporting cast. Chris Parnell plays Morty's dad, and he's very straight-laced, quite nerdy. He doesn't like the fact that he's having all these adventures with Rick all over the galaxy. And, yeah, something about it. You can really tell that it is Dan Harmon. He doesn't do any of the voices in it. Sounds like him, though. Yeah, the the guy that does the voice sounds exactly like Harmon. And just the words that he's saying... Because we're so familiar with his yeah. podcast, and we hear Dan speak in his own voice, going on his own rants, and the sort of like, and the fact that he's most of the time drunk on his podcast anyway. So yeah, you're and, hearing and Rick's a drunkard. Yeah, it's, it's like it's it's just Dan. <laughs> it's Dan's rants. Yeah, yeah. and uh, just Dan does one character. There's Bird Person, who's like this. Hawkman type ripoff, and Dan does his voice. Okay. But there was one episode where they went to a school dance, and it was the anti-flu 
dance or something and there's like a rap song playing when they get there and it's dad doing this anti-flu rap and it sounds exactly like one of the raps that he would do at the end of Harmontown. okay without fucking your mother I yeah exactly yeah. yeah it was just something about flu vaccinations don't do the flu i'd have to watch it again to remember it. but yeah so i've watched all of the first season and i'm now five episodes into the second season which there is only two seasons at the moment the, yep. it's quite funny though because the second season there's a few episodes that end on real down notes like most of the first season it's a nice 20 minute episode all wrapped up and it ends on kind of you know happy ending Yep. But there's a couple of these ones in the second season where it just finishes and you think, wow, I kind of wasn't expecting that. <laughs> so, okay. yeah, very deep for a cartoon. But, yeah. yeah, highly recommend it. And I'm quite surprised, you being the Dan Harmon fan that you are, that you haven't watched I just, it. I don't... I've, I'll go to bed with the intention of watching something. All right, yes, I should go to bed to sleep. But it's like, what will I do to go to bed? But I'm going to bed. No matter what time I go to bed, I'm falling asleep pretty quickly. Like, I'll put something on and I won't see five minutes into it. And watching something on the couch now i just can't do on the ipad for some reason so i'm just finding it uncomfortable to watch things <laughs> so yeah to make 22 minutes just seems like the hardest thing in the world at the moment yeah. like just for whatever reason i don't know so if it was on the tally like i could probably watch it more but see, holding an ipad just yeah no and in bed i'd fall asleep in no time like i get i'm going through kiss cartoons it's like, oh, can I watch something that I will fall asleep to? So you think, oh, and all these Hanna Barbera action cartoons, or whatever. It's like, no, that's not going to help. Yeah. And I want something nice, and I can't think of any cartoons that are just nice to go to bed to. Maybe Care Bears. Maybe I was about to say Pound Puppies. So. Pound Puppies, yeah. So sort of I'm just not watching a lot, which will go onto my TV now because, like I said, I'm not watching a lot. I was watching Narcos or Narcos or whatever, which is a Netflix, the new show about Medellin and Pablo Escobar which I only knew about because of the TV series Entourage before this. <laughs> and I'm a few episodes into that, and it's okay so far. It's, it's, it's fine. Yeah, I'm surprised that you never got into Pablo Escobar when you were going through your two-crime well, he's not really. rabbit hole. No, I haven't found him. Well, I guess like, you know, all the stuff I'm looking for, I've not found yeah, him. He's not well, a serial killer. He's not a serial killer, exactly. He's just he's a drug, king. drug lord. Yeah. yeah, one of the richest men in the world. Yes. ridiculous but yeah so watching that on netflix we also watched we were watching daredevil and i kind of suspected my wife wasn't really into it because we kept finding other things to watch before daredevil it's like we sort of ran out of everything else going all right let's get back into daredevil and the latest episode had kingpin decapitating a guy with a car door like, he beat the shit out of this guy. Then he's put his head between a car door and just kept slamming it and slamming it. And then at the end, the body just drops and doesn't have a head anymore. I was like, yeah. So he's like, I don't know if this show's for me. <laughs> so uh, I've got the free reign to go keep up and keep watching it. But yeah, it is a very violent show. There's an amazing fight scene in episode two. Yeah, so I look forward to continuing on with that. But yeah, Sally's sort of like, no, it's, it's yours. You can watch that. It's hard to believe it's in the same universe as Ant-Man and Groot. But... Yeah, it's, it's... It's a very big universe, though. Yeah, it's it's super violent, so that's that. And so, instead of going into the next episode of Daredevil, uh, we were looking at Netflix to see what else we could watch, and Miss Fisher's Murder Mysteries turned up, the ABC program, the Australian on, show. On the Australian Netflix or on the American the Netflix? American Netflix, which... Okay. I was like, ah, oh, and I said, oh, this might be interesting. I've never watched an episode, and I do like a good mystery. And I have asked a friend, I said, are they any good? And I was like, I like the show. I was like, are the mysteries any good? I was like, well, not so much. But if you like costuming, it's yeah. really good. So I was like, oh. So I just put it on just to sort of watch the first five minutes. And we ended up watching a full episode. And it, was, it wasn't bad. And, and so it's, it's a show set in Melbourne in the 20s. And Miss Fisher is this 
sort of socialite woman who becomes a private dick, essentially. Hmm. But um, it's great seeing Melbourne set in this era. So it's got the Hotel Windsor, which I know of, and you can tell they've CGI'd out all the big buildings in the background and sort of stand out. <laughs> but it, it's great just to sort of see this, you know, 1920s version of Melbourne because a lot of Melbourne's still there that looks old that they yeah, can exactly. film around. Um, so it was kind of funky. Yeah, my wife watches it, so... I've never actually watched an episode myself, but I've been floating in and out of the lounge room when she's been watching it, and it looks pretty well put together. As yeah, far I was as surprised the authenticity of it all. It's it's not. I mean, it's not expensive to CGI buildings anymore. Yeah. They just put clouds behind it. Wasn't that hard? Yeah, and but you know they've got to set up and get old nineteen twenty cars, and so you know they've gone to an effort. Yeah, I think they filmed a bit of it in Ballarat as well, because there's a lot of historical buildings in Ballarat, and they've done a few out of the Ripponley Mansion down in Elstonwick, which again makes sense. But yeah, I I didn't mind the bits I've seen, as I said, I've never actually gone and watched a whole episode, but it's interesting that it's on the American Netflix. Yeah, I was surprised, but I guess they're doing deals now, Mm. Uh, because I've noticed on the Australian Netflix there's a lot of Aussie shows in there, so they would have opened the door to negotiations there. And what's Netflix got to do they need content yeah so might as well put it on there put it on there exactly oh well that's good so that's tv okay so have you been to the theater to the cinema sorry i have well you've been to the theater i have i'll do that now yes jump into movies i i talked about north by northwest you did yes when i was there i saw a flyer a flyer a little advertisement for um the intergalactic nemesis a live action comic book. I was like, oh, this is right up my alley. And it was like some, and you read the bio or the write up for it, and it was something like 1,200 individual images, graphic novel with a live play with sound effects kind of thing. Like, sounds good. Oh, sounded great. So, oh, yeah, this sounds good. Let's go. And luckily, I talked to a friend who she writes theatre reviews. And she saw North by Northwest as a reviewer, so she got to go for free. So I said, hey, if you, because she always gets two tickets, I think. So I was like, if you get tickets for this um, intergalactic nemesis, let me know, because, you know, I wouldn't be mind seeing it. And she did. Delivered the goods. Thank God. So, yeah, it turned up, and it was a radio play, basically, with images. But, I mean, the good stuff about it, the Foley artist was great, and watching Foley is good. Like, when you watch someone do sound effects live it's amazing yeah. it's just, oh what are you going to use because you've got this table of all this stuff and it's like what are you going to use that for ah that's what that's for they had a live piano accompaniment and he just improved through the went with the script it's, it's an American production and they've been to Edinburgh Fringe and they're coming here now so it's quite big and they've got you can buy comic books you can buy CDs of the radio plays they're on YouTube if you want to watch it so it's all available to you unfortunately it's not very good that's a shame yeah it's <sighs> So it's better in concept than delivery? Well, the thing is, and I discussed it with Rachel afterwards, and I've seen a couple of radio plays before. Now, friends of mine have done that for Melbourne Fringe Festival, and they did it in conjunction with Triple R Radio, which is community radio here, and it was a literal radio broadcast. And we were part of the show, and the scripts were written, and there were bits where they held up cards where we had to interact. So we were a horde of, like, angry villagers storming the castle and there was a french one where we had to storm the storm the bastille and stuff and it's great and we had to stamp our feet and make a noise or we had to be a mob and boo and hiss and all this sort of stuff and that was great and the fact that we were part of the show to an audience that was listening on the radio was great like it was a real thing Mm. and it was a radio play this wasn't being broadcast so they tried to bring in like being american they sort of 
overestimate Australian audiences. We are very standoffish. Yeah, exactly. We're not not everyone. A lot of people were into it, and I'm not going to say they're not, but in America, you seem to be able to get a more rabid crowd into something yeah. than an Australian crowd. So they just didn't get into it as much. They just sort of, yeah. So are they standoffish or are they just ambivalent? Ambivalent. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it, it, it was interesting in that way, but you had the drawings and, and the problem was... The comedy was fine. The performances were all right. To me, the story didn't wasn't very good. Now, I've thought about doing some stuff like this before. I've literally thought about doing a live-action comic in sort of ways for a Fringe Festival show. Not the way they did it, but I could steal from them and make a better show, I reckon. <laughs> but looking at it going, oh, what would I do? And, and the plot was shit, because it was set in the 30s, so it was meant to be like a 1930 serial. So I started off with this, like, Lois Lane-like reporter who's like this go get him sort of woman with her Jimmy Olsen hanger on and she's travelling the world trying to figure out what's going on and then this guy keeps turning up saving the day in a way and sort of like oh what's going on so she's a bit Indiana Jones-ish with this dude turning up and it turns out he's a librarian and that's meant to get a cheer and it did get a cheer eventually but the idea was meant to being that's awesome whenever he talks about being no what are you some kind of hero and he goes no just a librarian and it's like woo it just didn't happen but, and he was like, had this mean right hook and knocked the people out and all this, like he's this, like a bit like an Indiana Jones. But then he was sheepish and pathetic and didn't know what was going on. I was like, the character's inconsistent. Now, I know this is just a shitty fucking play, but if you're going to do it, do it right. Yeah. Like it felt like if you're going to do a 30s style, do a 30s style. Like there was just stuff in it and it was an intermission who came back and they ended up getting in a spaceship and going into space. So you had, sort of had a Buck Rogers sort of feel going on with that. But they were talking about, the, oh, this simulator does it. They wouldn't know what a simulator was for a flight simulator to learn how to fly a spaceship back in 1930, so it wasn't written truly as a 30s thing. Like, if you're going to do it, do it. And they played a lot of things up for laugh, which didn't need to be there. There was a character, like this French... I forget his name now, but this French character. You know, Chocolate he, Moose. No, it's very similar to that sort of character. <laughs> and, you know, he was, like, the cool guy who'd turn up as a, as a you know, when they need him. What we need is a miracle. Hey! You know, if you know History of the World Part 1. No? No. Ah, oh, okay. A horse that turns up when you need it. Anyway, so it just didn't work. Like, I'm looking at that going, oh, that would work in the audience that was really primed. But it was just like, nah, nah, nah. Kids, I reckon school kids would love it because it's just such a different thing. And to watch Foley, I mean, just to watch a Foley artist work is enough to make it interesting. But the plot itself just was a bit shit. Sure. And because it's it's made for everybody, as far as audience ages, so kids could see it, that's great. It wasn't enough for adults. I think it could be better. They've got it down pat, and the thing is, it would have been better as a radio play. Like, I mean, the artwork was fine for the 1,200 images that were there, and it added another element to it. But the theatre of the mind is so much better. Yeah. And a radio play is fine. And the thing is, some of the artworks just didn't convey well enough. And, like, if, it would have been better, I think, without it, because you would have been putting a much better image in your head of the aliens, what they look like, and the spaceships, and the this. So it was just a bit, eh. It was over, it was long, it was overstretched, the idea was fine, but in the end it would have, and this is where I worked out, it was like, yeah, it could have just been a radio play. Yeah. And I think that's how it started. But there are radio plays out there. Where's the audience for a radio play? Yep. It's, it's it's not a it's not new and people do it. So I guess the difference is they've got they've come up with something that's different and sellable. So you'll go to the theatre to see this. Would you go and see a radio play? 
Probably not. So they're smart in that way. It's just, it could be better. It was just kind of disappointing. So don't regret seeing it. I'm glad I didn't pay for it. it it's, <laughs> it's just tough. I mean, it wasn't too expensive. I think it was like $30 a ticket or something. So it's not not too bad. Yeah, so that, that was interesting. Was it, is it still showing? Uh, no. All right. No. So. But you can go on YouTube. So Intergalactic Nemesis. Google it. You can see it. If you if it piques your interest for whatever reasons, it, it's, it's there. Okay. Yeah. All right. Should we jump into cinema? Oh, let's go to the cinema. Have you been to the cinema? I've been twice. One of them we'll talk about in a little bit. The other one was a, a kid's film. I took my little one to see the latest Thomas movie. Okay. Which was Thomas and the Legend of the... What is it? Sodor's Legend of the Lost Treasure. Sodor sounds a bit... Well, Sodor is bummy. the island. Oh. Now. It's got nothing to do with butt sex. No. no. Nothing. It's, it's about talking trains. So. Although this one did have a bad guy in it, which was a bit of a, a departure from the normal Did he Thomas have a moustache? He had a beard. He was oh, a goatee. He was a dodgy sailor. Dodgy sailor. <laughs> he was very dodgy. But yeah, it was funny because it was a couple of weeks ago when it was still quite chilly. And I Is said that to a my, Welsh dessert? A dodgy sailor? Yeah. No, yeah. it's a Welsh sex movie. <laughs> <laughs> I said to my little one, I, I, <laughs> this isn't a sex move, no. I said to my four-year-old that it might be cold in the cinema and he should take his jacket. So... He did, and we're sitting there in the cinema, and he had his his parka zipped up all the way, and and every time the sailor Talk. came on, parka, tunic, snorkel. Every time the baddie came on screen, he would pull his parka up over his face and hide because you know Thomas movies don't have bad guys in. No, they've no. got those grumpy trains that are a bit assholes, but yeah, they're not villains. Actually, there is there is one where there's like an evil diesel, oh, diesel ten with a. Anyway, we're getting into kids' cartoons, but we don't need to. But yeah, it was no, just... Diesel Ten is a Welsh sex move. I know that one. <laughs> it was just strange that they had yeah a, a, a full on bad human. Who are the voices with the American voices or the English? Voices? Uh, I think they're Canadian voices uh-huh. now. They, some guy called Mark Monaghan does the voiceovers, and I think it's the same guy that's been Thomas for the English ones or the American ones for quite a while. It's been taken it was over. Ringo Starr, and it oh, was, was Alec time. Baldwin, wasn't it? Well, Alec Baldwin is in. Thomas and the Magic Railway, which is the first live-action movie. Yeah. And then Ringo Starr was doing the narrator for the first couple of seasons of the TV show. But then after that, it was different people other than Ringo Starr. But no, it's been... This guy's been doing it for a little while, and it's been... I think it's a Canadian animation people that have been doing it pretty much since it's been animated. Well, I don't know about this. I'm going to admit, having young... My young son has discovered television. He'll walk in and see a black screen or a black mirror going back to um, something else, and point to it to say that should be on. He doesn't like telly's not off. We went to EB's the other day and the telly wasn't on. He's pointing at it going, make make it go. And then he doesn't like it when his shows aren't on it. Yeah. Like, I'm watching the news and it's like, ah, picks up the remote, gives it to me, make it go. And he loves Bubble Bath Bay or something like that. Oh, yeah, my kids watch that. Absolutely loves it. <laughs> Absolutely. And Giggle and Hoot. And you just get that Giggle and Hoot tune in your head. Yeah. Uh, and that's the trouble of having multiple channels that play kids shows all the time. Like we have Foxhell, so we've got you know twenty four hour kids shows. But even on digital cable here, or digital you know, free to air TV here, you've got ABC, ABC kids. For kids. And yeah, kids now don't have to just have their cartoons first thing in the morning and that little that's block it. at night. There is constant kids TV shows, so and they know that. And yeah. it's like, well, the telly's on. Why aren't you showing me my shit? Because yes. yes, he gets a bit snarky. Well, well, before we jump into movies, they're getting back to that. that my kids actually watched a couple of episodes of Mr. Squiggle oh. on uh, on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And for those who don't know Mr. Squiggle, it was a, a TV show that started, I think, way back in the 60s. It's of longest-running t- science fiction television show. Really? Oh, More than Doctor Who? Yep. It was before, and it lasted oh. longer. Well, it, it's a 
a puppet that comes down from the moon that has a pencil for a nose that kids send in squiggles and how he does those fucking drawings is amazing well that's what I said to my wife we're watching it and he does a picture and then he'll draw it and then he'll turn it around he'll turn it around and then turns it into something else and I said to my wife this has got to be a work it has to be a work it's like it's not real but and she's like no it is I'm sure it is she's like oh I knew kids that sent in drawings when when I was a little girl sort of thing so I don't know but the episodes we watched weren't Miss Jane ones they were Uh Miss someone else but the acting in it was phenomenally bad like I just cannot believe how bad it was the ones we were watching were like early 90s and Uh, it had that his daughter no it was before Miss Rebecca uh, Rebecca, Rebecca Hetherington. Hetherington. Yes. Because he's Norman Hetherington. Yeah, but the, I don't know who the, the woman was we were watching. It was Miss Someone Else, but she was very bad. Mm. But it all it all came about because we were, we were drawing or something and I happened to go, hurry yeah. up. <laughs> and then my kids are like, what the hell are you on about, Dad? So like, we, we mentioned Sit down, that. I'm going to learn you. Exactly. <laughs> and surprisingly, there is a lot of Mr. Squiggle on YouTube, but there's hardly any Miss Jane episodes. There's all this mm-hmm. other Miss whatever her name was. But anyway. So straight out of Sodor into... But yeah, back, back onto the movies. Um, the only thing I've, else I've watched, other than the movies that we watched for our topic this month, was I finally got around to watching Captain America Winter Soldier. Shit, isn't it? Yeah. No, it's not. It's awesome. No, seriously. It's I awesome. thought it was shit. Well, you, I, I, you suck. I cannot <laughs> understand why everyone raves about how good this movie is. Because it's good. It's a solid movie. It's not... I mean, yes, there is the obligatory fight at the end or whatever, but it's still a smaller picture. It's not like a city under threat or destroyed. You've no. got actors acting. You've got plots playing out. Hail Hydra is a fucking great swerve. You've got the 1970s robot androidy guy talking and Cap's just awesome. There was a couple of scenes that I really liked. There was when they first dropped down onto the smuggler's boat or whatever it was and and Cap was silently destroying the uh, the villains and he had that big fight. I thought that was really good. I still haven't seen that bit because that's when I got a phone call from a friend in America. I was at the cinema <laughs> and he was basically coked off his tits going, we've got to get on a plane in five hours what do we do it's like don't go to sleep for a start (laughs) and drink a lot of coffee but yeah anyway so i missed that little bit i got in and he had his fight against jean simpierre or whatever his name is the ufc fighter who was batrock the leaper that bit yes Mm. oh yeah i thought that was really well done it's the best marvel movie i didn't like the whole relationship between him and black widow but then I, i don't really like the black widow character I don't know. Like, this is a lot, again, the last podcast of this. How I, can you I didn't like how they got rid of the black part of Black Falcon's name, but they were just calling him Falcon. <laughs> and no, I, I don't know. I, obviously, I, I've missed something along here because everyone raves that it's the best Marvel movie since the first Avengers. But for me, I, I didn't like it. Nah, I dig it. There was just dig it. there was just so many bits of it. There's spoilers here. There was bits of it that it was like, well, why didn't you just do that in the first place? Like when all the fake cops were shooting at Nick Fury and boxing his car up and stuff, and then they came along and threw the explosive under the car. It's like, why didn't you just do that to start with? But anyway, they just, it, it just escalated badly. I could see that why some people do like it. it. It did look good in places, but just wasn't for me. Anyway, fair enough. Your movies. All right, I I went and saw Magic Mike XXL at the Astor. I went with friends. Like, I really didn't want to see it, but I hadn't seen my friends for a while. I was like, yeah, all right, I'll come out for a, for a trip. Now, they were playing it Magic Mike 1 and Magic Mike 2 as a double. Now, I I opted to say, you know what, I'll meet you for part two. I've seen part one. I don't need to see it again. I'll I much rather go to the gym, come home, have a shower. I'll get in there occasionally instead of trying to get across the city in a hurry to get there on time. So that was, well, I think the right idea. But what I did miss was 
was... Now, the Astor is a two-tiered cinema. There's a balcony and a downstairs. Now, they rarely open the downstairs unless it's a massive sellout sort of thing. They just do the upstairs. And one of the friends I was going with is in a wheelchair. And the Astor is wheelchair accessible, but only downstairs. They don't have access to the top. So, it was myself and my two friends downstairs on our own to watch Magic Mike. (laughs) Which is fine. (laughs) Like a private viewing. Yeah, which is cool. But being Magic Mike, there was a lot of groups of women out for the evening to see it. Now, it was an excursion for them because you could tell because they were a bit pissed. Because you can buy alcohol at the Astor. And just moments, like it, there's a like Pony is the big song he danced to in the first Magic Mike movie. Yeah. He's doing his woodworking skills in Magic Mike 2. And the radio's playing and he's and doing stuff. No. And Pony comes on by Genuine. It's just showing how urban I am here. Yeah. And and he sort of just looks at the camera almost and rolls his eyes going, no. And the crowd, no, I didn't know what was upstairs because I got there in intermission. And I just heard this, woo, from upstairs. <laughs> and there's a lot of people up there and they're excited. It was kind of weird being distanced from it and hearing what was going on up there, that there was this whole other world of reactions up there. Because I, I definitely wasn't getting into it like that, but they were. And I was, it was weird. Is it a good film? Has it got moments? Yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 it is what it is. It's better than the first one, I think. But it doesn't Am I going to watch it? Which is awesome. Okay. But you do still have some speeches that go on a bit. They're just not all Matthew McConaughey speeches. There are some really funny moments, and I think about them regularly. Like, there's a bit where... Who's the dude from True Blood? Oh, Joe... Mong Tang That's the one. Yeah. There's a bit where he, they, they convince him to go, and there's a, they're getting petrol at a like a petrol station and there's, and there's a woman there who just looks miserable and they go she hasn't smiled in a while you've got to make her smile so he goes in and dances in in the store and he's like squirting milk everywhere like it's a penis and, just, and, and ripping chips and eating them and it's just it's a funny dance bit and she smiles at the end and it's sort of like yeah it's a funny moment and it's it is a movie made up of moments like, it's a road trip, and there's a moment here, a moment here. Some of the moments I can do without, others I can, you know, were really funny bits, but it's sort of like, eh, whatever. So, the, the fact I caught up with my mates was great, and the fact that it was the weird experience with this other world going on upstairs was strange, but different. And it's like seeing a comedy at the cinema with people yeah. is so different than watching it by yourself on, at yeah, home. Exactly. The, you know, you sort of get wrapped up in these sort of things. So, if you want to see movies like that, it is great to see with a group of people who are into it. Definitely. And that, that's like that intergalactic nemesis. Could have been good if everyone was on board, which I said I've seen a couple of radio plays live. They were great. Like the MC who bought them up and got everyone into it, he had them up. And it was such a good thing where this guy, he did spend 20 minutes shilling the product, saying what you could buy after, telling you the history of it. He didn't rev everybody up. If he did more of that, less selling, maybe it could have been more. But anyway, that's it for that. Going on my true crime that I talked about last episode or last yeah. few episodes i one of the episodes of last podcast and left which i listened to was all about family killing families or families that kill and they were talking about the real life families that did it yep. and then they talked about the firefly family or they were making reference to the firefly family family flam yep. and i didn't and i didn't know who that was and then i read up and i was like oh the devil's reject so it's not a real family it's a, oh, okay. the characters from the devil's reject so i was like ah so going so to that, net- that's the rob zombie movie yeah Hmm. which is a sequel to House of a Thousand Corpses, which I saw at the Melbourne Film Festival years ago and don't really remember it. So they are connected somehow, but I'm not sure that I remember the first one enough to know. It is it is what it is. 
Okay. It's sort of like, oh, okay, I'm sort of into it. Yeah, it's got that 70s feel. But I don't know. It mm. just was, yeah. It's Chris Whatever. Hardwick in it? No, he's in the first one. Oh, okay. But I, I, can't, I can't remember him in it, to be honest. <laughs> but that's really sort of it. But I did catch a movie. Um, it was on telly. Like, on Saturday, I was I was at home on my own looking after the sun, so I was sort of like, oh, yeah, and the telly was on. And The Music Man came up, which I thought I loved, but I realised I've never actually seen it all. But I have it downloaded, so I've got it there, and I watched the opening a lot, which has got this bit with all these travelling salesmen on a train singing a song, but it sounds like it's doing train noises. It's yeah. like got the pentameter, is that the word, of, of the train, or the staccato of, uh, of a train noise. Yeah. And it's kind of cool, and I know it had... I got trouble right here in River City... That song. Yeah. And it's like, oh yeah, the, these are cool bits, but I hadn't seen much more. Yeah. So I was like, oh yeah, so I started watching it. My son was asleep. It was all good. And then he woke up. So I was like, oh, let's go shopping. So I missed half of it. So I came back, found my download and watched the rest of it. So I ended up watching The Music Man, which was kind of cool. But there's so many songs in it that, oh, that's from this. And that's okay. from this. 76 trombones in the big parade. No, I can't. And if the, you, un- the only bit I know is that bit on the train because you've shown me. Well, there's something you should know. Is the it? Simpsons. The monorail episode? Monorail. Yeah. It's, it's pretty much that. Yeah. yeah. So it's a lot. It's a long movie, though. <laughs> It'd be nicer in 26 minutes or whatever. It's a great movie. All right. Yeah, I saw that. So, you know, it's a movie about music. And that probably couldn't be that much uh, any similar to what we're about to jump into now. Yeah. So from one extreme to the other, we talk about music movies and the Music Man. Mm -hmm. And the other movies that we've watched this month, based around, well, two things. The fact that Straight Outta Compton has had its cinema release here in Australia. Mm -hmm. And we have been getting quite into the hip-hop family tree comic. Yeah, so love... Last year? Yeah, I think, I, was, I think it was December. Yeah, so I bought this comic called Hip Hop Family Tree. We may have talked about it quickly, but we tried not to because we knew this was coming. So it's a long time getting to here. And what it is, it's... I mean, I bought it. It's a large format comic, which looks like 1970s Marvel comics in paper stock and, yeah. and everything. And what it is, is this one guy's telling the history of hip hop. Yeah. And he's doing it for Boing Boing on the website. So you can go and look at this stuff for free. And he does installments. And there's one or two page bits. So they're all little segments of history of hip hop. And the first volume they collected, and it's like 1979 to 80 or something. Yeah, it's, it doesn't cover a lot of years, that first edition. I mean, volume Volume 2 came out a couple of months back, and we read that, and that was 81 to 83. Yeah, Yeah, it's not long. But the problem, no problem, it's really good, and I really dig it. But the thing is, you can't, you sort of get into a story going, this is going somewhere, and then just stops. It's just like this moment in time of history, and then the next page, you're looking at some totally different character doing something else, and then you sort of come back to that later, maybe. So there's no real strong narrative to it, and you're sort of like, who's that again, and who's this? And but God, it's awesome. I knew a couple of names in the really early stuff. Like obviously, I knew who Grandmaster Flash was because that was one of the biggest hip hop songs to get radio mainstream. But just the fact that they'll kind of show young people that have been influenced been by influenced that. and it's it's then turned out you know run dmc people like dr that. dre yeah yeah it, it is a, it's it's an amazing read and it's sort of like i love reading it the first time because i'd sit there and read it i have my ipad next to me going straight to youtube yeah because it all is all based on real stuff so oh that's this song and that's this film clip and this was the history behind this bit of the thing i can go watch a film clip or i can go watch this appearance on this tonight show or something it's just like all this stuff's there and because it's 1978 a lot of it is recorded somehow or somewhere and you yep. can go 
to YouTube and listen to the song. Or it, it, it's it's great that you can sort of put all this together. And because I didn't live through it, yes, I know the message by Grandmaster Flash. I don't know a lot, but they kept talking about African Babata and all these other things and yeah. rappers' delight. Oh, the which, Hill Gang, yeah. And I never knew that song. And then you go play it. It's like, yes, I know that song. Yeah, exactly. it's, it's, it's iconic. Like, and the rap and granny at one of the Adam Sandler. <coughs> so there's so much they make reference to that didn't mean anything to me and then you go check it out it's like oh yeah of course I know what that is that's yeah. that's just something I've grown up with so it's it's great seeing that in context and seeing where it came from or what it influenced or who it influenced or where it came and uh, I'm fascinated do I love the music not really but I, I love the history behind it and the fact that this began in such a small geographical area we're talking Brooklyn or Bronx or yeah it's like one of one of, one of the boroughs areas of boroughs of and, New York and it's like you had this guy who African Babata sort of figured out scratching or Grandmaster Flash they sort of were doing it about the same time and they had their ways of doing it and everyone was like oh I love what they're doing so they're sort of following suit and just happened and then rapping sort of came over the top of the scratching versus yeah. well back then it was what they call the four pillars of hip-hop it was all about the the scratching and the dj the rapper who or the the mc the dancing and the graffiti and yep. it was all kind of all tied in into the same thing and i guess that sort of leads on to the movies that we were gonna yeah watch so we, we read this last year and it was great i read it and i said you got to read this it's yeah. really good and you really liked it I was like, this is awesome and when we were looking at the movies that we were looking forward to this year straight out of compton was coming out now i knew it sort of tied in with what we were learning and I also realised I don't know fuck about shit <laughs> when it comes to like hip hop music but it's like yeah I'm intrigued do we want to wait till that comes out not knowing it was going to take eight months yeah. for it to come out but we said yeah alright let's wait let's, so we can do this I want to talk about hip hop family tree but let's wait and we can see that now unbeknownst to me before I read the comics I actually for some reason downloaded Crush Groove um, which is the his- history of Russell Simmons yeah Russell Simmons and I can't think of the record now. They're not Ruthless, are they? No, Ruthless. Def Jam. No. Def Jam Records. And it's it's a fictional count, but you've got Run DMC in there, and you've got LL Cool J's in there, and a... Um, was it Rick Rubin? Rick as, Rubin's in there, yeah. Rick Rubin as Rick Rubin? Yeah. yeah. So, but, but it's a fictional story, but it's got real people in there, and it's based on the truth. Yeah. I, I honestly can't remember why I downloaded it, but I did, and I've watched, actually watched it a few times, even though I don't know if I like it. It's because you really love that All You Can Eat song. I do like the All You Can Eat by the <laughs> by Fat Boys. boys. <laughs> <laughs> so watching that in context again, I was like, okay, so I made you watch that. Yeah. So we go, all right, we're getting ourselves together for Straight Outta Compton. So we have that. There's a movie called Wild Star. Yeah. And going back to, was it January last year when the Lego movie came out? Yes. And the character of Wild Style's in the Lego movie, and every time she calls herself Wild Style, any other character goes, are you a DJ? DJ? And I had no idea what that was until I looked at the wiki, and that all comes back to the movie Wild Style. And Wild Style was looked at in the Hip Hop Family Tree comic where they said the making of this movie. It was sort of independently financed by this director, we're going to make this movie, it's based around one of the graffiti artists, like the, the early, a real artist too. We're not yep to a person tagging he's, he's an artist and there's concept behind it so it was all, all about focusing on him and the art with the music on the outside of it now Crush Groove was a proper film financed by a big company where this looked a bit more indie and yeah. it felt a lot more indie but it had the bands in it like I can't rattle off who they were all but they had a real concert with was, all the bands it was playing. a Furious Five wasn't it with one of them yeah so it's great that I can read this comic to really get a picture of this time frame 
And then there's movies to sort of back it up. Well, in the second issue of the comic, there's almost, you could call it a storyboard for the movie. There's yeah. bits in the comic that relate to how the movie was being filmed and what he did for the movie. And we were watching the movie as I was reading that issue of the comic. So it was really good. So we were sort of getting all that together. I was like, all right, now we're ready. We went and saw Straight Outta Compton. So I guess we can talk about that for a while. Yeah. Well, we saw that opening night here in Australia. I like to call it the Eight Mile prequel, but you can call it that if you want. Yeah. yeah. Now, you didn't know a lot about NWA going into Straight Outta Compton? I went in knowing, thinking I didn't know a lot about NWA. I came out going, I don't know fuck all about <laughs> NWA. And I realised, even though what, 89 was when they started, when was Straight Outta Compton? 1990, that was really big, I think. <sighs> I was into Queen. Probably. Yeah, I, I don't know what happened. Like, uh, musically, I did not see it out there and did not look for it. So it just bypassed me altogether. I went from that and I got into in- industrial and alternative and you totally I totally missed, missed it all together. Well, I was living in the western suburbs of Melbourne back when it came out. So I had Straight Outta Compton on cassette. Yep. And I listened to it a lot. To the point that I could probably almost recite all of Straight Outta Compton and Fuck the Police and a couple of other tracks on the album. So I was really looking forward to the movie. I remember back in January when we did our Great Expectations episode that I said that Straight Outta Compton was something that I was really looking forward to. I didn't expect it to be as good as it is. Yeah, I had no expectations. Because I had no no knowledge, yeah. but yeah, um, but it was it's a long movie, but, but it's it, a good movie. It didn't feel long. There there wasn't a stage in the movie where I was like felt that it was dragging. I don't think it dragged. I did. I honestly think the first half is better than the second half. Yeah, but the rise is always better than a downfall of any sort of movie. But um, it seemed to move at a better pace in the first half. Yeah, I think so. And it was I, more about the music too. Yeah, and less about the politics between the band mm. and stuff. Like, I knew that Ice Cube had left the band. I didn't realise why Ice Cube left the band. And my timeline was a little bit skewed. Like, I thought he was still with them when they did 100 Miles and Running, but that was the first EP that they did after Cube left. But it covered a lot of stuff well, I think. But there was... You, well, you could tell that the money behind the film was Dr. Dre and Ice Cube more so than Easy es Widow because they made Easy e out to be the bad guy, which in a way he was, but they made Dre look like, you know, squeaky clean Mr. Nice Guy not doing anything wrong, which reading his wiki is not absolute true. horseshit. <laughs> and I, I don't know about Ice Cube. They, they kind of made him out to be just doing it for himself, which I kind of think he was. But again, they the whole getting back together and trying to make up for the lost time and you mm. know, burying the hatchet. I, I think they covered that a little bit more nicer than it probably happened. Yeah, well, I mean, I have no point of reference at all. I did not know who Easy e was before seeing this movie. Yeah. I'm not going to spoil it here as to what happens in the whole movie, but we actually talked about it afterwards, and my knowledge was, I'm going to say, what's an Ice Cube song <laughs> that I know? Because I know who Ice Cube is, and I figured out I know Ice Cube is an actor. Yep. I do not know him as a rapper at all. Like, fuck the police, I know of, because it was a news story. Not because of the song or whatever. I knew it was a song, but it was a bigger story around the song. Yeah, and, um, and back in the, the early 90s, it was a big deal that government-funded youth radio station Triple J played fuck the police, and it got a lot of complaints. So, as a protest, they played the NWA song Express Yourself on a loop for 24 hours and was like, well, we can play what we want to play. Here we go. We're just going to play NWA for you know, a whole day. And that was a big thing back in the day. But yeah, I, 
I don't know. Like, as I said, I, I was listening to it back in the at the time, and I remember a lot of Ice Cube solo stuff. I don't know any of Dr. Dre's The Chronic album. Well, but- that's the thing. In the movie, there's a bit where he drives past a billboard, and Dre's gone solo, and he's got The Chronic, <laughs> and it's like over 5 million copies sold. I was like, And I said to you, it's like, can you name your song off it? Because I don't know. No. I know Dre is the producer of Eminem. Yeah, that's when I found out about Dre, and then there's Beats by Dre, which is a ridiculously overpriced headphones. And I know he's super producer. Yeah, I outside of that, I could not tell you a thing, and I I missed a whole genre, a period, and genre of music. So this was fascinating to me because I hadn't, I didn't know it. Yeah. So it was a great story. I did talk to a friend about it after, and I mean, she's a bit in a feminist way, and. There's obviously the famous stories of Dre's not the nicest person and he beat the shit out of a woman on stage yep. at one point. And people know that, they don't, but they may not know his story or whatever. And she said, I'm interested in the movie, Is it does it tell the full story kind of thing? And it's like, well, they're not telling you that part of the story because that's not what this movie's about. This movie is... It's a long movie and they're telling a lot, but it's not about Dre punching women no, on stage. It's, it's, it's got it's nothing not to do with this story, yeah. you know. So knowing that can taint your view of this movie going, well, hang on, he's a prick. Why aren't you showing that? It's got nothing to do with this part of the story of the movie. But It, it was amazing, though, that they showed so much about the, like, the racial vilification of just the black man in America. Well, it's very apt to now, and I think it's another reason why it was made. Yeah. It, like, to, we are talking about Ferguson. We are talking about, you know... Black Lives Matter. Yeah. It, it is so appropriate now. It's twi- yeah. 25 years on. It still is an issue. This is where you're fucked, America. This is why it's fucked to be anything but a, a heterosexual white male. Yeah. This world sucks. I mean, yeah. and you're watching it now. It's like nothing's changed in 25 years. Nothing. No. And... Yeah, because there's one bit where they were recording the album and they were just out on the street having a hamburger or something. <laughs> and mm. the police basically just come and arrest them for being in the wrong in public. Yeah, because they went in their own neighborhood. Yeah. So, and the music was portrayed really well in the, there was a bit of where the concert and you're going, fuck, I want to be there. Yeah. Because the concert looked looked amazing. It's like, I want to be part of that. So they've captured that element of it really well. It's a really good film. And the acting wise, I thought everyone was great because I don't have a point of reference of what these people are like. It's like, oh, that's IQ. I know what he looks like. But they got his son to play it. So I was like, well, that was pretty easy. Dre, I don't know what Dre talks like. I don't know what Dre's moves like so I was like alright you're Dre to me um, Easy E again it was like you're Easy E because I don't know who you are the only problem I had with the casting was Paul Giamatti because I know Paul Giamatti and it just looked like Paul Giamatti in a bad hairpiece yeah. that, 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 it could have been anyone in that role and it would have been better for me because I'm not seeing Paul Giamatti I'm seeing the character but that that's me. I don't know. Maybe yeah. that's the way I watch. It's interesting, though, because, yeah, it did portray the whole, like, black gangster sort of lifestyle. But there was one bit that really got me is early in the piece, they were on a bus going to school and there were there were a couple of kids on the school bus flicking gang signs at a car on the way past and the, and the gangsters got out of the car and jumped on the on the bus and, and did this whole... You think stay it's funny school. to be a gangster, stay in school, read a book, or sort of thing. Yeah. I doubt that would really happen. I'm glad it did. Yeah. No, I hope, it, I hope there it's was, true. There was another scene I really liked as well, which I'm not sure if it's actually happened. I, I couldn't find it when I was wikiing. But they had the, the LA riots after mm. Rodney King. Oh, when the tide, the Crips and, and the Bloods. Yeah, the Crips and the Bloods sort of united and had... It's a great moment. But what, yeah, I mean, again, it's the Ferguson, Black Lives Matter. It's, it's, it's all that. Yeah. Yeah, um, so I was impressed, and we actually came back to my place after the movie, and we're watching YouTube for another hour and a half, sort of going, 
almost doing a hip-hop family tree. We were watching some Grandmaster Flash and going forward to looking at Jay-Z and Puff Daddy and Kanye. Just, Are they any good? Is he really a genius? And I just, the more and more I was listening, the more going, I totally don't know this, this music at all. Yeah. Like, East Coast, West Coast. Who's that? Is that who's that? Why they die? Who's this guy? Biggie, is he really that good? Why do we care? Tupac, yeah, California Love, I know that one. <laughs> what else? You know, it's just, I don't know. And so many people I know as actors. <laughs> Ice-T, I know some of his songs. I've got a Body Count album, but he's but again, an actor. That, that's Body Count. That's his, his metal album. That's yeah. not his rap stuff. Be still the guy. Yeah, for, well, for me, Ice-T is, you know, Law & Order. Ice-T, or you think of him as being like the crappy reality show with him and his, his wife. Yeah. But, yeah. So you got Public Enemy, you got Run DMC, and I do like some of the music, and maybe I, I don't know. I like Snow, I like Vanilla Ice, I like Beastie Boys, ICP, House of Pain. Yeah, yeah. So. You like your white boy rap? I like my white boy rap. Yeah. Well, speaking of white boy rap, we then after we watched Straight Outta Compton, the next yep. week we decided that we should go back and watch Eight Mile. Like I saw you going Mile. back, me watch it for the first yeah, time. I, I've seen Eight Mile before, and you're, you're, and you're an Eminem fan. You were kind of. I like the first couple of albums, the Marshall Mathers album and the you know Return of Slim Shady or whatever that one's called. Mm-hmm. Stands a really good song. Yep, and I can remember going to the cinema and watching Eight Mile when it first came out. You you hadn't watched it. I'd led you the DVD, but you never got around to watching it. So going back and watching it, it wasn't as good as I remember. Now, I, at the cinema, I, I would have got into it, but it was a bit of a dirge of a film. Like, it was depressing. It was grey. It was I know it was meant to be, but I found my phone much more interesting than the film. So I was sitting on the couch, talking to you, playing on my phone, and it was on the background. Yeah. And I just remember Brittany Murphy fucking people at their workplaces a lot. That's it. Twice. That's it. Eminem in one scene and then the producer guy in the... In That's the, what I remember. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, I like Brittany Murphy and I thought she was good the first time I saw her, but yeah, it just didn't didn't grab me again the second well, time. I, I didn't get it. Like, he's uh, he's got these mates and they all think he's great and then he goes to rap and he can't and he gets stage fright. Yeah, and he then, goes... And then shit happens and then all of a sudden he gets his groove back like Stella and he can rap at the end. And, oh, wow, he's got magical rhymes. You're the man. Well, getting back to that Brittany Murphy fucking people in his workplace, that all happens because he has that rap battle with Exhibit while they're in the, the food truck line. Yeah. And she gets all excited about the fact that Eminem can rap. But, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I, I, I don't know. I, I just, just didn't speak to me. I'm not a huge fan of Eminem, so I don't, take him or leave him. I don't care. So I, I didn't buy in to the movie and whether I had prejudices going in, but I was just bored to be honest. I, looking at it now, I think maybe it would have been better if it went further because really it's just him and his battle. He loses the battle, he comes back and then he wins the battle. It's rocky, it, but... Yeah. No, no. If, if it had gone further to the fact that, yeah, he won the battle, then, then Dre what? saw him and produced him and he became, you know, million-selling record, records. Yeah, I suppose no one wants to... It's, it's the origin story, but yeah. where's the... I just didn't get into it, to be honest, but there. No. So, I mean, I jokingly was saying straight out of Compton's the 8 Mile prequel, and then it's like, well, we're going to finish this, and you say we're going to watch Get Rich or Die Trying, because obviously... Dr. Dre produces Eminem. That's why it's the prequel there. Yep. And Dr. Dre also, I don't know if discovered or produced or whatever, made a big star out of 50 Cent. Well, I think the Eminem had a hand in that as well because 50 was doing mixtapes where he would do his own raps over other people's rap songs and putting them on CDs and you know distributing them around. Mm. And somehow Eminem got his hands on one of them and listened to it and liked it. And then he went to Dre and went, what do you think we could do with this guy? And then the rest is history. But yeah. for me... Get Rich or Die Trying was a better movie. 
And it's a real film. I, I thought it was going to be crap. Like, I go, yeah, let's watch it. And I watched it. And I'm watching halfway through, and I'm thinking, actually, this is a real film. Like, it's filmed well. It's got good actors in it. It's got a lot of actors. It's got a lot more wang in it than I thought there was going to be in there. <laughs> yeah, there's that one scene where there's a fight in a prison bath, like prison showers. And... Yeah, for me, there was just far too much wang in that scene. <laughs> but it was sort of like, this is... So I started reading the trivia on it, and it's directed by the guy who did In the Name of the Father and My Left Foot. So I was yeah. like an Academy Award winning director. I was like, oh, shit, this is a real film. This isn't just a cash-in on someone's being successful. And, I mean, um, 8 Mile 2 was a... 8 Mile 2? 8, no, <laughs> Eight Mile was well. also a, a real film as well. It wasn't a cash-in. It wasn't like Cool as Ice or anything Kim like did you get, like, nominated Academy Award, for, yeah. Did she win or did she get nominated? I thought she won, but well, maybe I don't know. she did. Yeah. yeah, so it's like, wow, this is this is actually kind of real. But it's also because it's not about a, a boring bum fuck guy who works in a factory that does metal pressings <laughs> and fucks women against metal pressing machines. Yeah, and gets stage fright. It's, no, it, it's, but, it's about a dude who sold drugs and got shot in the face nine which, times. <laughs> yeah, um, and who wants to be a rapper? So it's got that you know, mum's a crack dealer, dad, you don't know who he is, and. He grew not grows yeah, up. He grew, not, up, he grew, grew up, up poor and then decided to get into the family business really and became a drug dealer himself. Yeah, and it's sort of like, well, that's an interest. It's a more interesting story in a Hollywood sort of sense. And it's like, wow, that's kind of interesting. It's loosely based. I, I didn't read the wiki to see well, how true. In the in the movie, his mum is a crack dealer and she gets killed in a deal that goes wrong, and that actually happened. Apparently, Fifty Cent's mum had him when she was fifteen, and after she died, he moved in with his grandparents with a bunch of other kids, which is what happens in the movie as well. And he said in an interview that it was about 75% real. Yeah. And, yeah, he he's lived a, a pretty fucking shit life. And he's kind of turned himself around with his vitamin, vitamin water. water. And yeah, but for me, the fact that it had Terrence Howard, I thought, was really great in yep. the movie. Bill Duke was just awesome, being Bill Duke. The the guy that played Mr. Echo in Lost. Or I can't even say his name. Adebisi yes, in yeah. Oz. He was really good as, like, the main bad guy in it. And like you said, it was it was a real movie. It was it wasn't just a you know a, a vanity piece. piece yeah. Exactly, it wasn't a vanity piece about a rapper. It was a, a decent gangster movie, and it was really more gangster than gangster rap. But yeah, but there was a couple of scenes in it where you could tell that Fifty Cent was kind of struggling with the acting side of things. Yes, and I'm not a huge fan of his music, and the only thing I really know about him is that he doesn't like helicopters. <laughs> And that's purely from playing his video game, but I, I'm glad I watched it. I, I, was really yeah, I, was, I was so surprised. So, yeah, we're sort of going, are we done? Can we put any more hip-hop into our middle-aged white boy suburban life? And yes, yes, we can. Yeah. We we went and watched CB4. So we actually went back in time to 1993 to watch Chris Rock take the piss out of NWA? Yeah. Or, or spoof it? Wait, I mean... Uh, yeah, they they were taking the piss. Yeah, and they were even Ice Cube was even in it. They they are CB4, which Cell Block Four, and it's a sort of a rock documentary about the band CB4, which is essentially NWA. Yeah, like I mean, he Chris he Rock is, is playing Easy E, and instead of being the whole Grant NWA, which was like five six members, it's only three because no one remembers everyone else <laughs> except you. <laughs> And it's sort of like their history of where they went. And there were moments in it where it's like, this is straight out of Compton. 
Like, obviously, it's based on the real life of NWA, where they were getting getting arrested for what they can't do and what they can't say, which is not new, because the Doors did that back in the yep. day. Elvis did it back in the day. Jerry Lee Lewis did it back. So, it's not nothing new, but yes, they... But interestingly, though, I, I think if we'd have seen CB4 before we watched Straight Outta Compton, we would have been sitting there going, oh, they've ripped off CB4. <laughs> yeah. Because there was, there was one scene in Straight Outta Compton where they're in Detroit and the policemen come along and say, you know, this is what you can't do on stage, you can't say this, you can't say that. And you can't help perform, fuck the police. Yeah, and they almost did it exactly the same with Phil almost Hartman being the it. local politician coming in and saying... And they weren't allowed to sing Sweat Off My Balls. Well, yeah, <laughs> and then they shut him down for singing Sweat Off My Balls. Yeah. But it was, um, CB4 was interesting, and I wouldn't have got it if I'd seen it before Straight Outta Compton. It would have been sort of lost on me a lot of it. I'm glad I saw it after, yeah. just to sort of say, oh yeah, okay, that's referencing that, that, that. Is it a good film? Is good moments? It, yeah, there was. you could probably cut a lot out of it and mm-hmm. still be good. There was a few scenes that were pretty funny. Yep. Like I, I like Chris Rock's humour. I think he's quite good. There was a few scenes that you kind of didn't really expect. Like there was one scene where he comes home again after being, you know, being <laughs> this rapper, yeah. and he comes from like a, a pretty well-to-do black family. Well, not really well-to-do, but middle-class black family, and he puts on the whole gangster street kid sort of persona and then he comes back in and his little sister's reading a story about chihuahuas or something. <laughs> to, to the family to the family and the grandmother turns around and it's like you know shut up you think you're so good just because you can read and get out like, of here it came out of nowhere and it was like what are they getting at with this but no there was there was bits like that that brought it back that i thought was good I mean, like and it was a better first half than the second half. Yeah. Like, straight out of Compton. But at the start, you had a lot of names in there. Like, Ice Cube was in there, Ice T. The guys from Butthole Surface. Yeah, so they were all talking about the the, the band CB4 and how they were influenced by it. And I wish they'd done more of that. But yeah. So maybe that. it's okay. too expensive to do that sort of stuff. Yeah, maybe. But, um, yeah, so... It, yeah, if you if you do see Straight Outta Compton you can, and you enjoyed it, CB4 is something you can add to watch afterwards, but you don't have to. No. But, yeah, but that, that was cool. So what I realised after all this is that I am in, incredibly white, incredibly middle class. Well, as I said on our Facebook post when we went and saw Straight Outta Compton, it's two 40-something white guys living in the northern suburbs of Melbourne going to see a movie about disenfranchised black youth and it had to be the whitest cinema crowd that I've seen in a long time oh, I, saw it. I mean we were probably the oldest in there oh, there's a lot of groups of guys and afterwards there was a lot of milling about by all these groups of guys and it's like we are so white yep. all of us not just us two we were super white but- yeah I, I was surprised getting back to that because there was a big group in front of us that were all like young 20 something kids and it was like would they know the songs if they're that old Oh, like that's what surprised me, unless they all know Dre because of yeah. Eminem. And this is what I found with music. When when I was younger and we didn't have the internets and stuff, you'd buy a CD and you'd listen to it. That's what I used to do. Yep. You'd put a tape in your car and you'd listen to the whole thing and you'd learn it. You'd find out more, but you didn't buy... I mean, you, I know you used to buy Triple J's album of the week every week, so you, you had a lot of CDs to listen to. But I would listen to, learn, research, best I could, pre-internet or early internet days. Where nowadays, I just it's too much. I've yep. got bills, I've got kids, I've got other things. I'm doing research for the podcast. I'm, I've got so much stuff to do. I don't have time to focus on music anymore. Where... My music time is definitely taken up by podcasts. I listen to a lot more podcasts. So I don't listen like I used to. So therefore I don't get that breadth. And I used to love 
I really like this song, and then they go this band, and they did a duet or a combination with another band. It's like, I like that song, I'm going to go back, or I buy soundtracks, and there'd be one song by a band, like My Life with the Thrill Kill Cult, yeah. went out and bought <laughs> from Gaslight Records on import a CD from there. It was fucking terrible. That's what I would do. Yeah. I would find and find and find, and with the internet now, I suppose you just go listen to one song, no, they're shit, and you don't keep going and find those rabbit holes of looking. So yeah. maybe these 20-year-olds were... 15, they're not going out. They don't have mortgages. They don't have this. So they can focus on music. Maybe. And they can go, I really like Eminem. What else is out there? Dre's really cool. What's Dre done? You go back. And finding that, like like I'm doing now with Hip Hop Family Tree, I'm going all the way back to Grandmaster Flash. Yeah. But they may have done that because of Eminem, because they were the right age for Eminem. And why is Eminem so good? Because of Dre. Dre, why is he so good? Oh, he was NWA. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. But I don't. Yeah. Interesting, but it's been a long time to get to this. And it was good. I enjoyed it. <laughs> I enjoyed it too. It, it was good to have a project. Yeah. And Hip Hop Family Tree Volume 3 is out. So we've got that to look forward to. And we might even get up to about 1986 even. Yeah. It's funny because we were sitting there showing our whiteness going, oh, do you reckon they'll mention ICP? <laughs> so, yeah, so, yeah. The only rap concert I've ever been to is an ICP concert. Mm-hmm. And you've been to Nickelback couple of times. The whitest. <laughs> I love there was a joke, you know, how the Madison thing, you know, the website for cheating, oh, how that came out. Ashley Madison. Yes. Ashley Madison website leak. They said, oh, Anonymous have done that now. The next thing they're going to do is they're going to hack Apple and release the names of anyone who's downloaded Nickelback albums. <laughs> <laughs> Don't knock them. They're a good life man. Not as good on record, but they're good life. But we were talking, getting back to the whole ICP thing and whether they would get a mention or whether they're actually you know, validated as far as hip-hop goes, I didn't realise that Ice Cube had actually guest-vocaled on one of their tracks either. Like we were flicking, oh, wow. Yeah, we were, I was flicking through YouTube and just happened to find an ICP track that Ice Cube you know, collaborated with. And then looking at his wiki, he's actually performed at the, the Gathering of the Juggalos a couple of times. So oh, cool. it all comes full circle. Yes. I mean, as yeah, we've talked about ICP in the past, and that's, that's my hip-hop sort yeah. of knowledge and... Even not very good. But yes. So yes, that, that just shows how white we really are, doesn't it? We're white and nerdy. Yeah. All righty. Well, that's probably a good place for us to wrap up this month. Wrap. wrap. I, I see what you did there. No, not intentionally. <laughs> Get your hooks in. <laughs> Word. Yes. Mm. Yes, to your mother. We are very, very urban. <laughs> what is it? You're about to witness the strength of street knowledge. <laughs> anyway, it, it was good to hear the music live, you know, big, loud in the cinema. Mm. So if you yeah, it's because gonna... hearing straight out of Compton in the movie was great. Getting in the car and bringing it up on YouTube on my phone didn't sound as good. <laughs> yes. Anyway, next month is October. October. And October. Being, being October, I, I had this stupid idea that maybe we could do Doctober and we could just watch a different documentary every day, but then I realised I'm actually going overseas for a couple of weeks, so yeah. I won't be doing that. Right. What we will be doing is hopefully trying to watch some Halloween specials. Nice. We're not going to go as crazy as having a different one every day for 12 days. Well, but there's we no were... 12 days of Halloween. That's, that's no. silly. We but... may actually have a bit of a, a little mini special in next month's episode where we discuss some of our favourite Halloween episodes. Mm-hmm. And thanks to Q 
Kiss Cartoons website, we can probably find a lot more than we thought we used and to. And you can watch too. Yes. So next, next month we'll be back with a bit of Halloween. This month we're finished with our wrap. I will probably dick up. Dick up? Dick, dick up. <laughs> dick up for Cocktober, baby. <laughs> I will probably dick. <laughs> you got me going. Now. I will probably dig up some NWA song to end the podcast with. But if you have any feedback for us, we are the Massive Attack Podcast on Facebook. You can find us on our website, which is the mapodcast.podbean.com. Look for us on iTunes, Stitcher. Woo! Yeah. Yeah. Word. Woo! I'm just being a hype man. You talk. I'm just... (laughs) (laughs) You just spin the discs and I'll yell the raps. And until then, thank you, Mitch. Don't believe the hype. showing me my shit.